This is a very strange and frustrating story. To have your family member stolen, murdered, then missing. I'm Connie Walker, and this is Missing and Murdered, Finding Cleo. It's such a mystery, such an impossible task. Please, help us find her. Finding Cleo. If you'd like to hear more, you can find the full season wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Starting on Friday and continuing through the weekend, the United States and the United Kingdom launched dozens of airstrikes on Houthi-controlled parts of Yemen. This move was supported by a coalition of countries, including Canada. The attacks have led to five deaths and tens of thousands of people protesting throughout Yemen. For weeks, the Iran-backed rebel group has been disrupting trade by boarding ships in the Red Sea. The Houthis say they will not stop until Israel ends its war against Hamas. Iona Craig is an independent journalist who has covered Yemen for over a decade. Iona, hello. Good morning. The Houthis fired a missile toward an American ship yesterday, the first since these airstrikes. That missile was shot down by a U.S. jet. But the Houthis are saying that these attacks... Um, will continue and that those who are launching attacks against the Houthis will pay a heavy price. What do you think that retaliation might look like in future? Well, yes, the Houthis have been very defiant. Um, I think the escalation will be continued attacks in the Red Sea on commercial vessels. I think there will be a particular targeting of U.S. vessels like we saw yesterday um, and U.S. warships, that is. Uh, that they could also extend to targeting tankers, oil tankers, which they haven't done before and obviously would be extremely dangerous. Um, the the other issues, uh, you know, that they, they could target other countries such as Bahrain. They have the ability to launch mid-range ballistic missiles over long distances, and Bahrain is one of the, com- the countries that is supporting the U.S. and the U.K. in these airstrikes. Mm. And, and there's also been tension on the border with Saudi Arabia, the rising tension the last few days in a period where the conflict internally in Yemen, the civil war, has been relatively quiet since March 2022. But there's certainly been increased tension in northern Yemen with the Saudi border. So that's also a thing that could flare up is the internal conflict within Yemen reignited uh, as one of the responses by the Houthis to these attacks. The Houthis are backed by Iran. Iran is also backing Hezbollah and Hamas. U.S. President Joe Biden said over the weekend that his government delivered a private message to Iran. We don't know what that message said, but what, what do you expect Iran to do? How do you expect Iran to respond to what the United States, the U.K. and its supporting countries are doing? Um, well, officials in Iran have come out yesterday and along with, with uh, Leeds and Hezbollah supporting what the Houthis are doing and saying what the US and the UK have done now is putting all vessels in, in the Red Sea at risk and all vessels, um, sh- you know, shipping vessels are now at risk at sea because of this. Uh, certainly the Houthis very much see this as effectively a declaration of war by America against them. And Iran and Hezbollah have been very quick to support the Houthis uh, and support them in any action, no doubt, that they will carry out going forward as well. Mm. So, you know, this brings on the concern about about escalation, obviously, uh, within the region. Can you just explain how this is possible? You've been reporting on the Houthis for, for, as I said, over a decade. It's been two decades since they have been fighting the government in Yemen. How do they have this kind of power? And and when did they take over so much of Yemen? Um, Well, they they did originally start as a kind of cliched ragtag militia. Uh, That's certainly what they were in the early 2000s. 
And they fought six rounds of war with the Yemeni government then from 2004 up until 2010. Um, but really, w- where they got to taking the capital Sana'a, they were able to get to that stage in 2014 because former president of Yemen, Ali Abdullah Saleh, who was in power for 30 years, he was ousted during the Arab Spring in 2011, but he was intent on trying to claw back power. So despite having fought all these wars with the Houthis previously, he teamed up with them and their loyalists in the military, and they were able to take the capital, Sana'a. But Saleh was really only able to do that because the US and the international community gave him immunity from prosecution Mm. when he stepped down and allowed him to stay in Yemen. So we're partly responsible for the Houthis being where they are today. And then really Iran from 2014 onwards have helped them considerably in training, in weapons and capability, all the ballistic missiles and anti-ship cruise missiles they've been using, the drones, the ability to hijack a, a ship in in the Red Sea by landing a helicopter on, on, on a vessel. They would never have been able to do any of that um, 10 years ago. And now they have been become this sophisticated non-state actor, having started very much as a ragtag militia. The civil war in Yemen has had a catastrophic effect, hundreds of thousands of people dead, a humanitarian crisis with famine, uh, cholera. Uh, the Houthis have been involved in, in recruiting child soldiers. And yet, how much support is there for the Houthis within Yemen today? Well, this has been the extraordinary thing because for the Houthis, this is very much about um, supporting the Palestinian cause, trying to target Israel and now the US that that has really rallied support for them, that they are the only actor seen in the the region to be standing up for the people of Gaza and supporting the Palestinians. So in Yemen internally, it's been quite extraordinary really is the population that have been on the anti-Houthi side in the civil war. They are really now rallying around the Houthis and supporting them in this action at least, even if they don't support them in general. Over what they're doing in the Red Sea, they are really supporting them. And if you talk to people people in South Yemen, which is the anti-Houthi territory, um, even their attitude about these US and UK strikes is an attitude of bring it on. This is being bombed is part of our identity now, having been under airstrikes from the Saudi-led coalition for seven years. So yes, it's it's garnered them a huge amount of popularity at home. And and they've also been able to recruit many thousands, tens of thousands of fighters as a result of this, in the belief that they will be fighters who will go on to fight um, Israel. And this is all in support of the Palestinians. So they've deployed those fighters to the front lines in the civil war in Yemen, but they have yet to be actually used. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the kind of uh, a reigniting of the conflict in Yemen is a huge concern. But yeah, it's proved hugely popular for the Houthis when they were losing a lot of popularity mm. in the last two years while the civil war had been quieter. So yes, it's it's been hugely advantageous to them. So if there was a ceasefire in Gaza, what would that mean for the Houthi attacks? Would, would that stop the Houthi attacks? The Houthis have said that the attacks in part are a respondment or largely a response to the, the bombardment of Gaza. Yes, indeed. I mean, they've said that if there is a ceasefire, they would stop. I mean, it's hard always to take the the Houthis at their word. Um, They don't have a very good history of keeping their word. But having said that, when we saw the pause in in the fighting uh, at the end of last year, the Houthis did actually stop the attacks in the Red Sea. And certainly their argument would be that uh, having a ceasefire would stop these attacks and would therefore be a better response than the US carrying out these airstrikes. Uh, And so I think they see it as as rather hypocritical, really, that the U.S. would prioritize targeting them 
over protecting the civilians in Gaza, which they believe they should be doing. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think it's, it, it, I mean, the, the argument, and it's probably a valid one, is that perhaps the Houthis have backed the US into a corner uh, about, uh, about their activities in the Red Sea and attacking vessels. But a better way of, of dealing with this or another option of dealing with this w would have been a ceasefire in Gaza. And then it would have been remained to be seen if the Houthis would then stop those strikes. And that would have been a different thing to deal with if they hadn't done. What impact have these attacks had on the Israeli and the global economy, given, given the importance of, of the shipping lane and not, not just to Israel, but to the rest of the world? Yeah, so it's having a huge impact on global shipping, but particularly vessels going from Europe to the Far East and, and, and vice versa, and to a lesser extent, the US. So shipping transiting through the Red Sea is down by more than a half since early December last year. And year on year, the container ships that normally go through the Red Sea, so the first week of January this year compared to the first week of January 2023, container shipping is down by 90%. Freight rates have soared. They're up by up to 400% for vessels sh shipping from Shanghai into the Mediterranean. Um, and 30% uh, of the vessels that, that are going to Europe with goods are then going on to East Coast America. So the impact is on America as well. And so, yeah, there's the there's companies in, in Europe, uh, Tesla and Volvo, are already pausing vehicle production in Europe because of shortage of parts. Um, Tesla have said that they would do that from the end of January to, to the 11th of February. And we're expecting really the effect of all of this to kick in in supply chain issues in Europe, certainly in the next week or so. And that obviously all of those costs that vessels are having to pass on for going this much longer route that takes at least an extra 10 days days to go round South Africa, round the Cape of Good Hope, when they're avoiding the Red Sea, all of those costs entailed in that, which costs a uh, um, million dollars more to do that route, mm. it will be passed on to consumers. And then you're looking at rising prices, uh, the risk of, uh, of increased inflation. And that's all coming at a time when also it's a year for elections, uh, both for Richie Sunak, uh, the British Prime Minister, with the UK involved in these strikes, and also, of course, for President Biden in the US. So they've got these issues of potential rising inflation coming um, at their back really whilst they're going into elections. We're out of time, but just let me ask you briefly. People have been concerned since the 7th of October about this war spreading, it becoming an, uh, an escalating conflict. This is an escalation in many ways. What are you most concerned about in watching this? I think it's the Houthis really do not have a concern about escalation. They are not afraid of escalation. They've always wanted to fight America. And so that even if those who see the Houthis as a proxy of Iran, they're not. So even if Iran wants to try and restrain them, they can't necessarily do that. So the Houthis are more than happy to escalate this. I think we've already seen a spread. But the concern over escalation, I think the Houthis now, um, have it, it's all in their hands. And I think it's a particularly dangerous time to see really what happens next with the Houthis because they have very little to lose. They've been bombed for seven years. They've been sanctioned. They've been repeatedly sanctioned by the US and they've been blockaded. Um, and they're being, they've been hugely emboldened by these attacks now by the US and the UK. So yes, it's an incredibly dangerous time. And, uh, and obviously, you know, long term, mm. if these strikes go on in the Red Sea, it could have a devastating impact on the world economy in the same way that we saw during the COVID crisis with, with the supply chain crisis. Iona, I'm grateful to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Iona Craig is an independent journalist. She's covered Yemen for a decade. She was in Leicestershire, UK. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.